0: And welcome, everybody, to Fanstream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Bidoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on X at Pete This is episode 114 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and this will be the Clemson recap. But first things first, head over to our website at fanstreamsports.com for all additional podcast information. If you have an Apple device or an Android device, please feel free to download the Fanstream Sports app. And then head over to our Facebook page, like that page, additional content out there as well please feel free to share that with your friends and family. Episode 114, I was going to come on right after the game last night, go off the rails, go off on pure emotion, but I thought let's take a step back. Uh, yes, it was an awful game. We lose 31-23 to a 4-4 Clemson team that was reeling. Dabo Sweeney was going off on radio callers. They had, here's the thing too, and not to sidetrack too much, I wake up and I see Clemson safety Sherrod Kobo Jr. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Cornerback Sheridan Jones, defensive end Justin Muscali. Safety Jalen Phillips, running back Will Shipley, and O line, offensive line, and Marcus Tate out for the game. It's already a team reeling. They're not playing very well. They do not have a good offense. They have a decent defense, but all those players out. You know, I'm hearing from various fans, "We got this. There's no way we're going to lose it." I take a step back because for 30 years now, this is a game Notre Dame where everything looks in their favor, but they lose. And what do you, what do you know? Notre Dame loses. And so I'm thinking, come on, right now. But I'm like, no, let me take a step back. Yes, things things are are bad, especially offensively, and defense. I, I can't say enough. They did not play a great game yesterday, but it was good enough to win the game yesterday. If their offense was just twenty percent confident, because you cannot have a defense always bail you out. Here's the thing, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, but the so-called other Notre Dame outlet experts, I think. They were getting a false sense of security, and maybe the team did as well, in the coaching staff. Yes, they beat USC 48-20, to 20, and, and USC does not have a great defense, but a lot of those the scores that we had during that game was set up by uh, turnovers of the defense created against USC. I think there was a pick six in that game by Xavier Watts, actually, who had another pick yesterday. He leads the nation with seven, and that set up a score for Notre Dame because our offense really only had one legitimate TD Drive, uh, and then Pitt. The Pitt game, Pitt is just not a very good team. But a lot of those scores were also set up by not good special teams play and turnovers created by the defense. And I just think, yes, we won fifty-eight to seven against Pitt, forty-eight to twenty against USC. Even the so-called experts that yes, they they played a lot of football and probably know more of the X's and O's than me. But in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, okay, we had really two solid wins, but the offense still looks like it's a mess, and it does still look like a mess. Because, not to digress too much, but even, there's always going to, I said this in other podcasts earlier in this year, we have a great defense, don't get me wrong, but there's going to be a time where the defense just doesn't have it that day for whatever reason, and the offense is going to have to bail them out. And for one, the defense has bailed the offense out numerous times this year, I mean, I'm a Steeler fan. And in my lifetime, I know they won it in the 79 season, the 80 new year. I was only four years old, so I did not remember that. The two times in my lifetime that I do remember, 2005 and 2008, that we won the Super Bowl, Steelers had really good defenses. That was with, you know, Troy Palamalu, uh, Joey Porter was uh, part, of, part of one of those. Uh, God, who else? Aaron Smith, Casey Hampton, you name it, just really solid defenses. However, they were not always 100% every single game, and there were times that Ben and, and company had to bail them out. and that's kind, of a, that's kind of a very ironic now because if you want to talk about an offense even more incompetent than the Notre Dame offensive staff right now, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's a discussion for a different day. But there was a time when the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense had to bail out their great defenses – and Notre Dame's defense cannot continue to do this. They just cannot do this. I, I can't say it enough. Uh, but let's go. Let's first. But it was just. Uh, oh no! Here, why didn't it come on? So I, th- I was. I was. Uh, I don't want to say depressed because you shouldn't be depressed over a football game, but you know, feeling kind of down. And I'm thinking, um, not actually to do this, but you know, metaphorically uh, or symbolically, uh, it would be. I'd rather just gouge my eyes out right now so I don't see that score anymore that we lost 31 to 23, take a sledgehammer in my skull, take a nap, whatever. But I do probably even the most, uh, the next, I don't wanna say worst thing, but the next probably most depressing thing to do on a Saturday afternoon is go grocery shopping. Uh, So that's how bad it was after yesterday where it's, I'm gonna take a Saturday afternoon uh, where there's way too many people at the grocery store. I might as well just go grocery shopping and and that's what I did. But the more I thought about it, yes, things are bad right now, especially offensively. But, but we're Sam Hartman, I'm gonna have a own side subject in this podcast about Sam Hartman. At, when I left um the place where I watched the game, Dempsey's Food and Spirits downtown, us we we gotta just bench Sam Hartman the rest of the year. He's not as good as what we thought. And let's just go with Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie. I do think we have to incorporate those two quarterbacks in these next two games. And in the bowl game, but I think it's kind of a shitty thing to do. He, his next game, it's senior day, and that's the thing we got to buy now. Of all the times to have a horrible loss for us fans, it's one thing, and for two weeks, we just have to just think about this game for two weeks. I can't imagine being a player, it's even going to be worse for them thinking, God, we let this golden opportunity go by. We win this game, we're eight and two, we're still in a new year six, uh, we're still in the hunt for a new year six bowl. Now we're seven and three, horrible loss. This season's pretty much. I don't want to say it's over. Um, it really is over, but there's still two games to play for. If you want to say pride, whatever, get a bowl win. You know, it's not going to be a big bowl now. But the thing is, now that's the worst time to lose right before a buy Because even if it's an ugly win, you're still going to have a little bit more juice when you practice. And there's just going to be a little bit more positivity. But you just lose now. It's it. I can't say it enough. But here's the thing. I kept thinking, when we come after this buy, it's Wake Forest, it's Senior Day, and that's Sam Hartman's former team. That'd be a punch in the gut to bench him when he's going to play his former team. I know life's not fair, but I just think that's kind of a shitty thing to do. We, it's not like that game's going to really mean anything, anyway, in the grand scheme of things. But to Sam, you know, he he could have went to any other school. He probably could probably wishes now. He probably went to Alabama or somewhere else where they actually have a competent offensive staff. But I just don't say bench him, at least for that game. Now, maybe after that, get Angeli and Minchie involved more. Because here's the thing, too. This offense better find some sort of identity before the end of this season going into 2024. Because you have uh, five-star CJ Carr coming in. And then you have, well, Kenny Minchie's there all. Already there now. And he was like a four star recruit. We got him last year. He has some talent. CJ Carr, five star coming in. Then the next year, Deuce Knight, he's four star, borderline five star right now. You don't want to mess that up right now. It's one thing to mess up, you know, Brian Kelly messed up some quarterbacks' careers, whether it's Everett Golson or uh, Brandon Wimbush. It's one thing to mess up the career of a freshman, sophomore, junior. This coaching staff, and I'm, I, And I always say too, and I'm trying. I will say too. I'm going to be kind of going all around the board, even though I was going to go off the rails if I did this podcast yesterday. I'm kind of going to be going back and forth here. But the thing is, here, it's one thing to mess up the career of a, you know, incumbent player that you already have, and that's a bad thing to do anyway, whether they're a freshman or a junior. But Sam Hartman is a six-year senior. He's the most prolific quarterback in ACC history passing wise. So you had a record breaking quarterback. I know it was at wake forest. It was a different system. And now you have pretty much damaged him right now. You have damaged him. Here's the thing I want to get into right now, the way it's set up right now. And this is just a, a, a kick in the gut to, to the entire team to us fans. Last year, we thought the quarterback room was a mess with drew pine. Last year, drew pine only started 10 games because he took over once Tyler Buckner, uh, Became injured for the year, but he did play that, uh, the bowl game. Tyler Buckner's stats last year 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. He passed for 2,021 yards. Sam Hartman, right now, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since the USC game. He has 18 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and he's passed for 20,2126 yards. What I'm trying to say is he's already had more interceptions than Drew Pine, but he's on pace not to have as many touchdown passes as Drew Pine last year. And that was when the quarterback situation, what we thought was even worse. And I'm starting to think now we've damaged Sam Hartman so much right now. Uh, I don't think he may come back from that, but I still think you play him against his former team because that's just a kind of a, that's a kick in the gut further last year, Clemson beat wake Forest, Sam Hartman's former team However, Sam was a lot more successful last year at Wake Forest. I know that game was at Wake Forest, but still, Clemson had a solid defense even last year. But Sam Hartman, as a Wake Forest QB, tore them apart. They ended up losing 51 to 45 in double overtime. But here's Sam Hartman's stats last year as a Wake Forest QB against Clemson, who he looked like he looked awful yesterday against. Here it is. Sam Hartman was 20 out of 29 passing for 337 yards and six touchdowns, zero interceptions. I will repeat, Sam Hartman last year against Clemson with his former team Wake Forest was 20 out of 29, 337 yards, six touchdown passes. Yes, they lost, but it was 51 to 45 in two overtimes. We lost yesterday 31 to 23 and our offense wasn't even close to what he did last year as a Wake Forest quarterback. And here's the thing, too. I always say give a, uh, a coach at least a year. Uh, this is the first time he's an offensive coordinator for a what we thought was a powerhouse program. Who's to say that's the case? But for Coach Parker, I'm sorry. You're not the guy. I mean, you've taken a six-year quarterback. And whether Sam Hartman was as good or not as good as what we thought, I think now it's a little bit of both. Um, we have to because this could if we keep him for next year this could ruin cj Carr. this could ruin deuce knight we have to have some sort of identity and this is where i go back to last year where uh, jack swarbrick and ron paul screwed the pooch and not opening the checkbook for andy lugwig and maybe we go back to that now because if i'm i'm marcus freeman one i fire uh, coach parker at the end of the season and go to uh, new athletic director pete bavacqua and say hey and that's you can say what you want about Marcus Freeman, whether he's not ready. He probably isn't ready right now. He's he's a young guy, but he's, he's a defensive coach. But he knew last year he had to get some sort of offensive identity and hit it out of the park with a, a great OC hire. He did everything he could yesterday. The administration failed him last year to get him a solid offensive coordinator. And Andy Ludwig, to me, was that guy at Utah. And... Let's say he fires Coach Parker. He's got to go to Pete Bavakwa and say, hey, you got to work with me on this. Because the two Yahoos last year, and Paulus and Swarbrick, did not support me on that hire last year. We got to get this done. Uh, please do that, Pete Bavakwa, if that's the case, because for one, we got to deal with your former employer's shitty coverage of NBC. Uh, that's a discussion for a different day, but it gets worse and worse with the Notre Dame coverage. They've totally devoted all their eggs into the Big Ten coverage, but uh We'll discuss that maybe later, but what I'm trying to get at is this, we got to get this offensive uh, identity going into 2024 because we can't ruin any co- more quarterbacks lives because Notre Dame has been an expert at that. Brian Kelly was an expert at that. And uh, we don't want the coach Freeman air to be the same way. Get that offensive identity. So what else here? Oh, let me just take it. Not to get too far off. I'm already 12 minutes in here, but I'm not going to have a podcast this week because we're on a bye week. Obviously, But this kind of, uh, I want to kind of compare this to another sport in tennis, and I'll be real quick here. John McEnroe, Andre Agassi. John McEnroe, he won seven Grand Slam titles. He probably could have won a lot more. One, maybe it was because of his attitude, but I think one of the big reasons was uh, he met Tatum O'Neill. They got married, and that relationship was a nightmare, and his tennis was never the same. After he married her, they ended up getting divorced. And he made a, a couple comebacks, but I think the closest he ever uh, uh, got to another Grand Slam title was the 1992 uh, Wimbledon semifinals. But Andre Agassi pretty much uh, annihilated him in that semifinal, and then he won his uh, Wimbledon title that uh, uh, two days later when he beat Goran Ivanisevic. I just mentioned Andre, Andre Agassi. Andre Agassi. Uh, so what I'm trying to say, Tatum Neal damaged John McEnroe's career in tennis. Andre Agassi. Uh, he has three Grand Slam titles, meets Brooke Shields. And actually, he did win one Grand Slam title when he was dating Brooke Shields. But as that marriage got into like year two or year three, so we're 1997, Andre Agassi, Agassi's career is looking awful. And it looks like he may retire before the age of 30. He divorces um, Brooke Shields. Uh, I'm sure she's a nice person, but for Andre Agassi, it was a nightmare marriage. It killed his career. He ends up meeting Steffi Graf. They date. When they're dating, he wins two Grand Slam titles. They get married. He wins two Grand Slam titles over the age of 30. And at that time, that was unheard of. Usually when you get to 28, 29, your career is pretty much over. I know with the big three now, that's become not as uh, common with uh, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer. They've consistently won, if not more, once they uh, reach 30. But at that time, to win two Grand Slam titles over the age of 30, that was a big deal. What I'm trying to say is Coach Parker right now is Brooke Shields. we got to find our Steffi Graf as an offensive coordinator, that, whether that's Andy Lugwig or not. But let's find our Steffi Graf the way Andre Agassi did to get this offense going. So I digress on that point right there. So let's get into the stats. And here's the thing. If you told me the stats are going to be very misleading today, uh, let's just get into, because if, if you look at some of these stats, you would have thought Notre Dame would have won this game. Uh, but no, we that's too simple for Notre Dame. Uh, we had 13 first downs and 19 for Clemson. So, okay, advantage Clemson. Third down efficiency, 3 of 13, but only 5 of 15 for Clemson. Total yards, Notre Dame 329, Clemson 285. We had more. Passing, as bad as Sam Hartman was yesterday, which was Sam Hartman's, Worst day as a passer, um, or just a wor- his worst day as a quarterback at Notre Dame, 146 yards passing, 109 for Clemson. As I said earlier, their, their offense is n- nothing special. But previously in my, my previous show, I had said I thought, even though I was concerned about this game, Notre Dame, I thought, would not win this game. But Clemson would find a way to lose this game. It was the opposite. Notre Dame found a way to lose this game with their mistakes and just horrible offensive play calling and Clemson did not win this game. So I want to repeat that Notre Dame found a way to lose this game, but Clemson did not win it. So, but in any events, uh, and the thing is to Clemson, I think has a false sense of security. Now it's like, Oh, we beat uh, this solid Notre Dame team. But I, I don't think that's the case. I think, um, you're still a very mediocre team, especially offensively. Uh, Rushing, we ran the ball really well, 183 yards, but Clemson, 176, uh, the second string guy, I'll get into his stats a little bit later, uh, to Will Shipley, played a hell of a game, that's one thing about this defense, the missed tackles were back yesterday, got to clean that up, and then also, just one of their big weaknesses this year has been rushing still, that goes back to last year, but still, they played good enough uh, to win that game, and for Notre Dame rushing, they—I will say that—they were running the ball really well yesterday, especially that opening drive. Aldrick estimate was great. We get inside that thirty, and then conservative play calls. We can't—we can't get yards. We're so predictable when we get ins- inside the ten yard line when we're getting ready to score a touchdown. It's even us common fans are not even—I mean, I consider myself an expert Notre Dame fan, ha ha ha. But even the common Notre Dame fans. Even they're calling out, they know what we're going to run all the time. But what I'm trying to say is, I think Aldrich Estimate only had three carries in the second half. Again, just to me, it's an incompetent offensive staff right now. Uh, time of possession, about 32 minutes for Clemson, 28 for Notre Dame. So if we get in the box score, Sam Hartman, 13 out of 30 for 146 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Aldrich Estime 17 carries, 87 yards, one TD, but They really didn't go to him in the second half. Sam Hartman, the one good thing he did yesterday was run the football, but you don't want your gunslinger running the ball. Even though there were some good plays there, I will say that. Seven carries, 68 yards for one TD. And then they Jeremiah Love, they only rushed him three times for 11 yards. Uh, Jadarian Price, two for five. Coach Parker, what are you doing? That's why I said we got to find our Steffi Graf for this offensive coordinator position, not the Brooks Shields. Clemson, Kate Klubnick, 13-26, 109, one TD, one interception. He's no Trevor Lawrence. He's no uh, Deshaun Deshaun Watson, uh, even a Taj Boyd, even going further back. uh, We had no business leading to an offense like this, but Phil Maffa, they ran him to death. He was really their entire offense, 36 carries, 186 yards, two touchdowns, had a 41-yard touchdown run. And it seemed like we would hit him, but then he would fall for three more yards. So got to tighten up that tackling again. But uh, he was—he he probably wouldn't have played that much, but Will Shipley couldn't play. It's just the Notre Dame way. And if we go defensively, uh, let's see here. Jack Kaiser led the way with nine tackles. Riley Mills had a good game with eight. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Javante John-Baptiste, the transfer from Ohio State. I can't say enough about him. He's been a really great surprise. He had two and a half tackles for loss. He had a sack. Uh, Xavier Watts had another interception. Um, but we had three turnovers yesterday. The uh, Chris Tyree, he muffed the punt. that set up a score. Uh, he did not play well yesterday. He's a senior. he's gotta he's gotta play better. So there's the stats right there. Let me get into one other talking point right here. And it kind of goes back to what I talked about before about Sam Hartman. I think we got to get the other quarterbacks involved right now. I don't think we do. And bench him for the Wake Forest game because that is his former team and that is senior day. However, though, and I I started to think of this scenario as he, Sam Hartman, that we know of now, where, you know, so called well before he started playing like crap, the golden boy that came to Notre Dame because prior to this year, the common college football fan, I don't think they knew who he was. I knew who he was because, you know, we play a lot of ACC opponents and I look at stats and everything and he's, the most prolific passer in ACC history. But nobody really knew of who he was until he came to Notre Dame. And I I kind of feel bad for him right now because I think the offensive staff have really damaged him and his potential and obviously his draft stock status right now. But don't feel too bad for Sam Hartman because he's made, a, from what I hear, a lot of money from NIL by going to Notre Dame. He probably would not have had that at Wake Forest. Uh, just the popularity, I said, not many people knew of who Sam Hartman was. He gets to Notre Dame. A lot of people know who he is, especially women who find him very attractive. Uh, women yet, or last year, prior to not watching Wake Forest, but Notre Dame quarterback, women are fawning over him, whether they're his age, 20 years older, 30 years, 40, 50, even 60 years older than him. Women love to look at Sam Hartman. Let's just put it that way. But is he, or could he have been you know that golden boy at Notre Dame. If we had a competent offensive staff, or is he what I call Samuel Hartman, where he goes to this small North Carolina University in Wake Forest, who's not known for their football. He uh, he puts up prolific stats because of the system that he was in. He probably has a very attractive girlfriend. You know he graduates from there. He doesn't make the NFL. Has an attractive girlfriend. Uh, they probably, uh, they're probably a fixture at country bars. They go line dancing on Friday, Saturday nights. Everybody respects them. They get married. They have two or three kids. Uh, they have these great Christmas pictures where there's snow in the background or this cabin in the background with their beautiful kids. Uh, Merry Christmas type cards, that perfect life where no one has a perfect life, but they, they, um, uh, the card, uh, protrudes a perfect life. And we all know that that's not always the case. There's no type of perfect life. Uh, He uh, ends up getting a job. He's so-called the VP of sales at some place, but they're more or less just using his uh, prowess on the football field to say, hey, we have this sales guy. He'll take you out on golfing uh, on a Friday. Uh, And it's more or less to drum up new business where he's more or less a face at his job. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of football players do that. I mean, it's, they use their face, you know, they may have a major in finance or medical or who knows, but they end up pretty much just, uh, using their face and sales to get sales. I, Craig Krenzel at Ohio state. I think he was supposed to be some nuclear, whatever scientist or whatever. I, I think he's he's part of a sales team selling cars now in Columbus or Insurance. He's not in the medical field. Let's just put it that way. But I don't blame him. That's a lot easier work just to kind of use your face to have a career, drum up sales for your business, and everybody's happy. But that's who I'm thinking. Is that who Sam Hartman actually was? Samuel Hartman, where he wasn't the great quarterback that we thought. He's a decent quarterback for the situation he was. You know, he gets married to his very attractive girlfriend. They have this beautiful family. He goes into the VP of Sales in uh, whatever possession or uh, profession he chooses. He takes guys out on the golf course to drum up business because hey, we're we're going golfing with this former, uh, you know, the most prolific passer in ACC history. No, it's not Notre Dame, but in North Carolina, he's a big deal. Or could he truly have been this year with an Andy Ludwig as an offensive coordinator? Could he have taken that next step? And I'm not saying a first round draft pick, but at least get some uh, looks for the NFL to be drafted at least day two, maybe not day three. So is it Sam Hartman or Samuel Hartman? I think it's a little bit of both. One, I think he wasn't as good as what we thought he was coming from a system, but I truly believe too, he's a damaged quarterback because of the incompetence of this offensive staff. I know that sounds harsh. But uh, we're here to win football games, and this is Notre Dame. This is in Iowa. We can't be Kirk Ference, where Kirk Ferentz will not fire his son, who's in – you want to talk about an awful offense that makes Notre Dame look like the 2019 LSU team with Joe Burrow. Look at Iowa. They're a thousand times worse. But that's a family operation where Kirk Ferentz has been there way too long. His son is more incompetent than Coach Parker right now as an offensive coordinator. And – uh, he will not fire him. He will not fire him. And we can't get to that point. We can't become Iowa. This is Notre Dame. And I know Notre Dame is not in the grand scheme of things. You know, people think, you know, our time has passed. But to us fans that want to win a national title for the first time in 35 years, which will now be 36 because we're not going to win them this year, we're not going to win a big bowl this year either. It's time to uh, It's time to really address this offensive uh, uh, Offensive coordinator position because this is what's holding this team back right now. I believe the defense. The defense can win a national title. The way our defense is right now, uh, we thought we had the quarterback this year. Maybe we did have the quarterback, but we don't have the offensive coordinator. We gotta find our Stephy Graf. The way she, way Andre found her and resurrected his career. That's what Coach uh, Freeman has 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 to do. And this leads to my final talking point. Yes, yesterday sucked. I didn't want to do it, as I said earlier, I went grocery shopping on a Saturday afternoon into an early Saturday evening to spend during Saturday. I was that just I didn't want to do anything else, so I went grocery shopping instead of doing it during the week, but at least it's done. so so I went grocery shopping. but this the way yesterday, even if you want to say, uh, you know, I said earlier, the defense did enough, but now this forces, and not maybe he was doing this before too. But now with the season pretty much we can't play for a New Year's six bowl. We're going to have a bowl regardless. But now Coach Freeman really has to assess everything right away, getting ready for 2024. This forces him to say, Hey, you know, Coach Parker, I know it's only his first year, and I'm saying he's gonna do this, but I gotta think he's not really gonna assess every single assistant coach, you know, players everything within the program to say, they're doing a good job. We keep them here. They're not doing a good job. We got to find a way either to get them to do a better job or they're gone. And that meaning mostly the coaching staff. But what I'm trying to say, this makes coach, I don't want to say easier. Maybe it's it's a quicker, how can I say this? Coach Freeman now, whether he was going to do this, whether he was currently doing it or going to say, Hey, I'm really going to take a look at this at the end of the year. Now, to me, it forces him to look at everything sooner than later because we, especially as I said earlier, we got to have an offensive identity going into 2024 with these so called, what they say, stud quarterbacks coming in. And we got some great receivers coming in. The recruiting class is top five to top eight. Now we got to get the staff to get the best out of their abilities. And I know that sounds cliche, but long story short, Coach Freeman has got to assess everything now a little bit sooner than he thought he was going to, to say, Hey, this is working. This is not, Hey, I'm sorry, coach Parker. Um, you're a great guy. Um, I know you got to support a supportive family, but you're not working out for Notre Dame. This is Notre Dame. This is an Iowa. And finally, I said before, I was at the grocery uh, yesterday and this kind of goes up with, what I just talked about before where, you know, coach Freeman's got to assess everything, uh, we're tired of constantly being at, I mean, last two years, I mean, at best we can do now is 10 and three. Last year was nine and four. I mean, when Brian Kelly left, it was 11 and one, even though that team was kind of a a mess that year. Uh, we haven't won a bowl, a big bowl in 30 years now. It's going to be 31 because we're not going to a bowl this year also. But I was, as I get older, I try to eat, not that I always, that I ate bad, but try to, you know, less sugar. But yesterday, I saw something at the grocery. I'm like, I want to buy this. This was my favorite uh, uh, favorite flavor when I got this as a kid. And I hope we can, maybe, Tim may have to black this out because maybe it's unfair advertising. I don't know. But as you can see, it's, it's Pop-Tarts. Uh, brown sugar cinnamon, that's the best flavor as a kid. I did other flavors also. I thought, shit, let me just... Uh, let me just buy those. It's not going to kill me to have a little extra sugar for breakfast or just as a snack. But Pop Tarts, that's the bowl we're probably going to this year. I know that sounds like a, a corny name. And to be uh, to be fair, that bowl at one time was, I believe, the blockbuster bowl. Then it became the champs bowl. Then it was the uh camping world bowl, camping world bowl. That's a tough world, word to say. Camping World Bowl. Uh, and that was a few years back when we beat Iowa State, that was the game uh, with uh, Brock Purdy. who's a quarterback with the 49ers, the last pick of the draft two years ago, Mr. Irrelevant. But he's been struggling lately, but no one thought he'd be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. But we were at that bowl before, and it had some better sponsors. I don't want to say better sponsors, but names you want to make fun of. I mean, Pop-Tarts, I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. But the thing is, when you think of, and I think it was the Cheez-It Bowl at one time also. But sometimes these names kind of put an unfair stigma on a bowl. It may be two quality opponents, but when you see Pop-Tarts, really, and hey, if whatever bowl we go to, it's looking like it's going to be the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I will cheer Notre Dame to 110%. I want to win that bowl, but I don't want to go to a bowl like this again. This cannot be the status quo at Notre Dame. This is why Marcus Freeman has got to assess his staff sooner than later. Pop tarts, no more. No, the only time I want to see Pop tarts is when I get these once in a while at the grocery store, not when Notre Dame goes to a bowl. I, I can't say that enough. Uh, what else? Uh, what else can I bitch and complain about right now? Because it's been a bitch complain uh, podcast, but it is what it is. We can't, we can't let this happen anymore. Oh, la- last, the white pants. Uh, not, I know Notre Dame's trying. And it, it is a national brand. I get that. And whether it's, you know, last year, I remember they did the hangover uh, hangover sketch to promote the Shamrock series. This year it was to promote the green jerseys and green pants for the Ohio State game. Marcus Freeman has a clothing line now uh, within Notre Dame or whatever. I don't know what the, is it? Is it Under Armour that does that too? But uh, that's great. That's great. Whatever. But let, let's just start focusing on winning games again and maybe sprinkle in some special. And we lose on those jerseys half the time anyway. But who cares about the image right now? I want the image to win about the image to be about wins and losses. And I can't say, and not going to the Pop Tarts Bowl as our, which will be our bowl this year probably. So thanks. So I know it's, it's, it's been a, a bitch and complain type podcast, but I had to let it fly. It would have been, if I would have came on yesterday at this time, it would have been even worse. Uh, oh, one final thing. This doesn't have to deal with anything with football because I, I doubt I come on to do a podcast, um, during these buys, unless something major happens. But tomorrow on ESPN, I'll have to tape it because I work during the day. But for those of you that don't work, uh, lucky you 1 PM Eastern standard time, the women's team kicks off their, uh, the women's basketball team kicks off their season against South Carolina in Paris. Uh, Notre Dame, I believe, is ranked 10th, and South Carolina is 6th. South Carolina has been a powerhouse the last two years. They did lose a lot last year, but Don Staley always has that team ready to go. Uh, I don't know why it's at 1. think that game would have been 1 o'clock. I know there's a five-hour difference uh, for Paris time, but, so it would be 6 o'clock over there, but I would have thought not many people can watch it during the day. It would have been better just to put it on a Saturday and Sunday. And then also tomorrow, uh, coach Micah Shrewsbury, uh, his first game as a Notre Dame coach. I know it's going to be a lot of bumps on the road this year with a brand new team. However, I really feel excited about the Notre Dame men's basketball team. Uh, I, I feel a lot of promise, uh, especially with, if, with him as the coach. Now, uh, they take on Niagara at 7 PM Eastern standard time tomorrow. And that'll be on ACC Network Extra, so you may have to go online to watch that game. But in any event, women, 1 o'clock, ESPN, uh, a lot of people during the workday. I know I have to watch it on replay, but 7 o'clock, ACC Extra Network. You'll probably have to watch that online for the men's. And then uh, Notre Dame will be back in action in, uh, two weeks from yesterday against Wake Forest for Senior Day. So thank you so much for joining me for Episode 114 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. And as always, Go Irish! Thank <laughs> you.